0: Welcome to Sporting Life. Introducing your host, Ed Draper.
1: Hello and welcome along to the podcast. How are you? Good to have you here, Ed Draper. With you, slight cold, no COVID, which is good, but you still feel a little bit ropey, isn't it? It's uh, the usual coughs and colds we get towards autumn. Um, but I hope you, will. I hope you enjoy the podcast coming up as well with uh, Phil Denton, headmaster up in the northwest of England. But more importantly, he's co-authored a football book with football player turned manager now, some manager of some experience, Mickey Mellon. And we'll get to that in due course. But thank you for being here. Thank you to the sponsors, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. Jason Briggs is the team lead there for both Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV and just get in touch with uh, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham via the website or BNO underscore Cheltenham on social media. Particularly on Instagram, they will advertise the latest Bang Olufsen equipment, headphones, et cetera, um, whatever it may be, kind of audio players. But through Serene AV, always worth remembering they can source and collate, be the architect of a home entertainment vision that doesn't include or doesn't solely include Bang Olufsen equipment. They can source you the best brands that fit your vision. And your budget, get in touch with them. Jason, a Manchester United fan, probably a little bit downhearted like me after the weekend scoreline against Leicester City. Nonetheless, there are bigger things in the world, aren't there? As uh, our health and our immunity. And also like to thank Cytoplan for their association with the podcast. C Y T O P L A N. They're a company housed in the west of England, just up the road from here. Beautiful village of Hanley Swan. My father, Dr. Mark Draper, who is primarily a GP, was also worked extensively in micronutrition both in terms of publicity around it but study lecturing and he's worked as an advisor to Cytoplan. and we do still pay for our supplements always stress that albeit at discounted rate but he's a big believer in their food-based supplements in particular those that contain trace elements he's been uh, long banging the drum for selenium supplementation, zinc supplementation in the UK because of its relative replete or deplete status in the soil here as industrial farming's taken hold over the last 50, 60 years. Those minerals, those trace elements have gone down. Um, obviously, he's a big fan of the regular vitamins like vitamin C, vitamin D3 over winter, as well as those nights start to draw in. Although we've had a lovely Sunday actually in uh, in the west of England here in Cheltenham, very warm and unseasonably mild. So it's been a good day, but nonetheless, we know that there's not much juice in that sun as they're in the Northern hemisphere over winter months. So vitamin D3 is a key. And if you'd like to look at vitamin D3, vitamin D3, you may call it, or just the the holistic supplement, I take the Immune Complete range, Immune Complete two, as an adult male from Cytoplan, which has all the major vitamins and minerals. And you can get that from uh, cytoplan.co.uk, the discount code at checkout, is draper10r so my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters the numerals one zero and the capital letter r also take fish oil which uh, yeah i've heard lots of great things about fish oil actually omega, omega fatty acids and Take a couple of days for both recovery and brain power and mood. I believe it's been likened to or linked to. I can't remember whether it's serotonin or dopamine. So it sort of helps in the precursor of development of those. Was listening to Andrew Huberman podcast, the Huberman Lab, fantastic podcast from a psychiatry doctor. In the states I'd recommend that in terms of um, supplementation as well looking at what you might want to do to fine tune your your mood mentality mental health focus as well he's, he's big on that in terms of supplementation and, and tactics to help it not just what you ingest uh, so that's uh, cytoplan.co.uk thank you to them thank you to you for being here thank you to phil denton really enjoyed this podcast basically about leadership and this podcast was initiated on my part after i'd done the boxing podcast at sky sports for a number of years before that when i worked at absolute radio slash virgin radio had a a sports podcast and always enjoyed the format what i wanted to learn in my own sort of i guess navigation way here through this podcast is is the morals the, the sort of the metaphors of sport what we can take from it the traits the discipline of participating but spectating what we get from watching the elite in terms of how it filters into our own life and this book they've uh, written the first hundred days of of management is fantastic in terms of steering and leadership what we can learn from the football bosses in terms of leadership is fascinating because i think the 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 sort of pressure cooker atmosphere of a football club in terms of the results needed to come thick and fast and quickly is probably a good blueprint for the rest of society where it's a little bit more relaxed but anyway here he is we'll explain it all phil denton Phil Denton, welcome to the podcast. Massive appreciation because I know you're in the, the midst of the school day as well. So really appreciate your time. How are you apart from uh, apart from being very busy?
2: <laughs> yeah, I'm fine, thank you. I'm fine. I'm uh, in the midst of uh, an, an interesting educational world at the moment, which is uh, requiring lots of leadership, but more patience
1: to be honest. Well exactly it's it's, it's back because we are talking about leadership we're talking about the book that you've co-authored the first 100 days lessons in leadership from the football bosses and it's brilliant it's perfect fit for this podcast Sport and Life which I started with the kind of vague hope of, of unearthing maybe some connections some metaphors some lessons from the world of sport we can apply to to wider life but you've done it in a very organized and collated way in terms of leadership in football and how that can apply to leadership and I guess life and in the in the broader sense as well but it's it's a unique time now isn't it it's, it was it's kind of almost worth doing another one isn't it on football leadership given what the clubs and what people head teachers like yourselves are going through what everyone's going through at the moment it's a unprecedented experience
2: yeah it, it, it certainly would be I mean it's um i think there's there's a, there's a lot that's written about um leadership that we found um so so I wrote the book with uh, Misty Mell and the, the Tramirovic manager um, and we saw a lot of books, and we read a lot around uh, whether it be crisis management or leading mm. culture, leading change, um, and and there's an awful lot which is quite abstract, so we wanted to, to write something that, which was very uh, understandable, real, and applicable uh, sort of for people that are either entering into new roles or are um, looking to sort of redefine their own leadership styles, mm. uh, and it's just Brilliant. The reception from people in sport, with football managers, we've had Premier League managers getting in touch asking for uh, additional advice. Um, I, I've been asked, for, we've been asked by corporate companies to go in and speak um, about about leadership approaches. So we've done that on a few occasions already. Um, and and probably most rewarding for me is that there's an awful lot of educators, head teachers, yeah. head teachers, um, principals of big universities or colleges that have said. Uh, it's been really helpful for them in in giving a bit of a blueprint on how you can approach uh, your first 100 days or your next 100 days
1: Mm. yeah yeah the next 100 days are significant isn't it because you are in a long-term position it's it's never fatalistic there's always a chance to go again just share with us Phil the anecdote of of how this book came about because it was a it was a random meeting in a hotel gym wasn't it Mm -hmm. pretty good story
2: yeah, so it was, yeah, it was, um, I went to watch, uh, I managed to uh, trick my wife into going to uh, Stevenage, which is which is actually a very nice place, actually, I've never <laughs> been there before. But I, I tricked her to go <laughs> for um, a spa weekend, which coincided with Tramia's first away game of the season. Uh, I see. And um, we were in a, a hotel near Stevenage, and, and it happened to be the same hotel that the team was staying in. Um, And in the morning, I went down to the gym to, um, uh, I suppose, burn off the first game of the season, uh, (laughs) nervous energy that every football fan has. And uh, I I met uh, Mickey, the the Tramia manager, Mickey Mellon. um, And um, we got talking, uh, first of all, just about Tramia and then uh, started to speak more about leadership. So we went Mm -hmm. from talking about Tramia's playoff win to getting on to people like Ernest Shackleton, and um, Otto von Bismarck and people like that. So we wow. uh, we, we really crossed the, crossed the realms of history and, and leadership and sport. I um, just got on like a house on fire
0: mm.
2: um, and, and then kept in touch from there. So um, Mickey asked me to, uh, to, to, to recommend some of the books that I've been reading and vice versa. Uh, we kept in touch, started meeting up and then came up with this idea of working on a project And that was when Mickey said, well, I've I've always had this idea of looking at what makes football managers successful in the first 100 days. There's there's loads written about it in business Mm -hmm. and it's obviously a a well-known period of time for American presidents. But um, (laughs) what is it in football? Because if you aren't successful in football on your first 100 days, you're unlikely to make day 50, let alone day 100. Mm. Whereas most jobs we can be... (laughs) you can you can do an okay job for a quite a long period of time, but that's obviously not the case in football you've got to do things turn things around very quickly one way or another um, mm-hmm. and, and so we found it a fascinating kind of microcosm of a world that can help people understand what the successful attributes are of leaders that get off to, to winning starts
1: yeah it, it, with because that parallel with the football world and that distinction you say that unique time pressure. That football managers have in terms of, of bringing results do you feel that they're a good example to the broader world of leadership head teachers like yourself because they've got a palpable urgency that perhaps we don't all think about when we go into a new job or when we are a leader in a new role perhaps it's 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 wise to to have that urgency of 100 days because it can be a more sort of uh, not not kind of nonchalant attitude to it but you don't necessarily feel that that burden of pressure which can be a positive can't it i suppose that football managers have
2: yeah, I, and and I think the analogy of most people uh, will understand or will have seen, even if you're not interested in football, you'll have seen high-profile managers succeed and fail um, on the news and the newspapers and the internet. So you have you have a, an understanding of the things that they've done, and 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 obviously there's millions of football fans that will have opinions on that. But we managed to speak to Premier League managers who on their or shared with us, and most of them had never shared it before, what they actually did on day one, what they did when they walked into the building the first time, uh, what messages they give, gave. And, and, and it was fascinating. So we found out from people um, like um, Sam Allardyce that when he goes into these uh, turnaround situations, he has a blueprint that he uses. And he says quite simply, these are, these are, this is where you're losing matches. The, this is the strategy that we're going to use, so let's get on with it. And, and, and this is a tried and tested formula for improving where you're at. Whereas, and we talked a lot about the, understanding the position you're starting from, whereas somebody like Ole mm. he picked up somewhere that was around realignment. So a lot of his work was to try and bring back a, um, a, a, a tradition, a culture to a place that it perhaps diminished somewhat because of multiple managerial changes um, so it, it's really applicable. The analogy worked tremendously well, um, and, and I think that's what the, the the positive feedback that we've got is that that people could relate it to their own lives. Um, yeah. it really, really um, we we found that the, the managers, for example, had three core traits, and um, um, we, we spoke a lot about this. It's like corporate companies have been um, uh, corporate teams, sorry, have been asking and, and really want to hear more about it. That we mm. we saw that. Um, the the people are very clear on purpose. Um, they know exactly what they're there to do and why they're there to do it. Why yeah. them? Why not? They're very clear on the people they have around them, who who is going to add to that and who's going to take away from the from that purpose. And how do they get more people in, on side? And then they, they start from a really clear understanding of their position, so they know whether it's a turnaround, whether it's realignment, whether it's about sustaining success or accelerating growth. They, they really understand that and they might not use that terminology mm. but they've got that kind of intuition and emotional intelligence that helps them to get to grips with it quickly.
1: Yeah Sam Allardyce is as you say that that kind of clarity that he has may reflect I suppose, some of the jobs that he's been given as well the urgency of of trying to survive in, in a division when he when he takes over is that more of an autocratic model that's sort of counter to a lot of the book though it seems like a lot of the book is written more of a sort of suppose inclusive leadership where you, where you bring people in and try and inspire people to make their own decisions certainly mickey uh, Mellon's philosophy seems to revolve around that trying to get as it meter metacogni- cogn- cognitive, cognitive cognitive yeah. cognitive and uh, self-regulated um sort of leadership within within the players or the or that i suppose the teachers whoever you're working with at a school or in a business your your staff yeah no it's that's a
2: brilliant question yeah so so the the position that people find themselves in is absolutely key to the way that they act mm. so like Mickey walked into a tram your side that was mid-table that was doing okay and had the chance to do better it wasn't turnaround it wasn't crisis whereas Sam Allardyce might walk into Sunderland or Crystal Palace where they have to change immediately they have to change really quickly so you, in those circumstances, being autocratic is is often more successful. Now, over a longer term period, the an autocratic way of doing things, where it's kind of my way or the highway, mm. might wane and it's difficult to sustain that. But I don't think you'll find many managers that over a longer period of time that retain that autocratic um, approach. You know, if you look at somebody like Sir Alex Ferguson, you might think, well, he was autocratic in the way that he did it, but he had Captains like Roy Keane, and Roy Keane was crucial that he that he got the feedback from the players. And you know, I remember watching, and we will have seen it if you watch that period of time with 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 leaders like Gary Neville on the pitch, and Neville would be reorganizing things on the pitch. And it it was it was autocratic in some ways, and standards and expectations, but there was that freedom to to take to take control as as the success rolled. So I think one of the really interesting things about Um, Sam Allardyce is that he learned from his time in Newcastle that he went to Newcastle and tried to do what he did at Newcastle in the same way that he'd approached his job at Bolton Mm. and it failed well it didn't, I mean fail is probably a strong word but it didn't work as well as it wanted to do and ultimately led him to to losing his job there Um, and and one of the things that he, he learned was that you can't approach every job in the same way because it's a different situation, a different position, different people um, and there's a different purpose to it as mm. well. So adaptability is, is crucial. Um, but at the same time, all of the managers had underlying principles that they that they held true because that's the reason why they got the job in the first place. Mm. That's the reason why they've been picked. So I think that the really good question about, about that and, and, and the best managers adapt and adjust to the situation they find themselves in, mm. not just, game to game but actually season to season as well
1: yeah I think that's massive in terms of any sort of development in life as well it's just applying it to the, the uniqueness of your situation because often there can be a sort of blueprint like even in self-development you know get up at 5am do this and I've always said well I can't get up at 5am because i have got work till 2 or <laughs> so it's like it's that kind of you'd have to you have to sort of mold things to the to the situation and and, and your situation as well in the particulars of, of your life it's an interesting one with, with Sam isn't it because I spoke to him he was in, in on Sky Sports News on Transfer Deadline Day and he had some fascinating conversations off air with him as he was sat Having his dinner, and you, you realize how sort of simplistic some of the analysis and, and stereotyping of him has been, because he's a very cerebral guy. It'd be fascinating to hear his reflections on the West Brom job, wasn't it? Because he seemed legitimately shocked that his methods hadn't worked, that he'd been unable to keep them up.
2: Yeah, yeah, it was interesting. I had a really interesting chat with Mickey about this as well, because he knows Sam really well, and he, he disagreed with me. And I, I, I said that he'd done really well at um, Everton, Palace, Sunderland, West Ham, all these clubs. And I, I said that he, it hadn't worked out at West, West Brom. Mm. And he said, well, it, not necessarily. You know, he, he might have got everything out of that team that he could have got out of that team, but ultimately they just weren't good enough. Yeah. And he did bring me at uh, the beginning of the book and the beginning of, of a message to any kind of person in, a, in, in any role, any kind of leadership being a, a role that you influence other people. And we're probably all in roles where we influence other people. Is that, is that you, you, you have to remember what you're there to do. Mm-hmm. And you can give yourself the very best chance of being successful by doing the right things. But ultimately, it might not be, it, it might not work out as you, as you wanted to, but you might have improved that group of people or that football team to the, to the, to the best of your ability and, and, and got them to perform at the, the best that they could. So I think there's, there's, there's a great quote by John Wooden, which is, you know, don't, don't judge your performance by the, by the score you know sometimes you'll do everything you can to to get a certain result and you might perform excellently in whatever job you're in or whatever role you're in but you mm. might not quite get the result that you want you know you could go for a job interview and do it present yourself superbly you answer the questions well and not get the job i think it's it's really important that people like sam alanday they judge the process they don't they don't solely focus on the result yeah. Um, they'll, they'll reflect on the process if they don't get the result that they want but sometimes they do recognise that there's nothing wrong with the process there are just other things that were outside of their control that they couldn't,
1: mm. is, they that, couldn't... Is, that, is, that, is that the key I suppose for, for you as a head teacher and, and for people in football you've spoken to, its it drilling down on what you can control is that is that fundamentally how we we can grow rather than lament the result or, or, or be dictated to by the result which we unfortunately the media that I work in will we'll do that in a certain sense in sport and I suppose in life people will generally reflect when you have your you quote unquote wins but is it more about the performances for us to self-evaluate yeah
2: so process process being everything and going back to your process rather than looking at the result. Um, it, there was a, there was a really good um, um, example of this in, in Mickey's um, second season at Tramir. So they were 18th in the national league. They had um, they they got to the playoff final the year before, and we spoke about that as a time when the results were going weren't going well, but the mm-hmm. process of the performances were, were good, and it was just that sometimes you've got to stick with your beliefs and stick with the, your knowledge that the process is right. Um, and certainly in education you have to do that you you could you could bounce from year to year changing your strategies changing your process and plenty of schools do that and you never find out what's working and what isn't because you haven't given it enough time to embed and I know I'm I'm, I'm sure the same role in the media is that you might be doing all the right things but it, (laughs) it might be something else that you can't control
0: yeah so
2: there's 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 um there's understanding the, the the what you can control, what you can't control, and then being able to have the courage to, to know the difference. So there's, there's a great mm. um, prayer about that. I'm a Catholic head teacher, so we have great little prayers on our wall, uh, really inspirational. And it says just that, have mm. the courage to know the difference between the two. Um, and, and that for me gave me, and I, I hope the people who read the book, gave me a real calmness and clarity about what I do. You know, when, yes. Yeah, I think you can do that. Whether it's with family as well, you know, sometimes you can be thinking, well, my kids aren't behaving <laughs> out the way they want them to, or <laughs> things aren't going well. But it, then at the same, it, you can't control some things. Um, but, but having the the calmness and clarity to to look for that is um, is certainly something I hope comes comes across in the, in the book, in the general management, mm-hmm. and also when we talk about managing yourself as well.
1: Yeah, that, that, that key of, of being reflective on on wins and losses in, in life is, is definitely, as you say, process driven, because certainly in my, in my career as a broadcaster, once you go into the world of quote unquote presenting or anchoring, they call it in the States, there's always... A sense that there is objective things that you can, can control your metrics your sports knowledge your delivery there's things that you can focus on but actually what people externally will look at is oh have you got this opportunity you know you you got through a sky that's great you know that's wonderful but and, and to a certain extent it is but you can't get too high with that because that ultimately is someone else's opinion whereas you can evaluate your performance as you go through that's 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 a really interesting one what about the the other comparisons phil between head teaching, between a school environment and football. I was going to think, say, it's, football's more competitive in a sense that only a certain amount of teams can quote unquote win. But I suppose schools are a bit like that these days, aren't they? We're led to believe with the, the league tables and so on and so forth.
2: Yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. And, and sometimes you, well, a great analogy that we got from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer was he, when he arrived at United, he said, um, it, it's a bit like opening your cupboard when you, when you, um, he looked at his, his group of players and, and uh, he said, you know, you've got one manager who's been to Waitrose, one who's been to Morrison's, <laughs> the other's been to Tesco, and they bought all the ingredients, and now you've got to make a meal out of it. <laughs> and I thought that was a brilliant analogy, and, um, and we spoke about that quite a lot in my current setting and, and, and then to, to the different people we've worked with. And, yeah. and I think that is, in a school, in a football team, you've got to look at the, the ingredients you're starting off with um and and that and that helps you then understand how you can get the most out of the people that you're working with and how you can Stephen steven covey um a book uh called the seven habits of highly effective people says it's core one of his core messages seek first to understand before you're understood so mm-hmm. understand the people who you are working with what ingredients have you got in that cupboard to make the meal that you need to to get fantastic results in a school or
1: Win football matches, and that's that's a really crucial aspect of of um, of the book. It's a big challenge for you as well, isn't it? Is it eleven to eighteen? Your school, so you've got boys and girls up going through various different stages of life, and then you have the the staff who probably be at various different stages of life and backgrounds as well.
2: Yeah, oh, yeah, that, that yeah, well, exactly. And then, and then as soon as you start thinking about that as, as in in this discussion, Adam, and that's that when mm-hmm. reading the book, you, you could apply it to your own your own team but yeah the the, the kids are the same you know and we have reels and we have uh, you know things and and bells like this (laughs) and and, and, and different things with different people you know and 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 for some people the sound of that bell be great it's lunchtime for other people it'll be right the structure of my lesson's gone now I'm a bit worried about going on the yard so everybody everything is um everything is interpreted in one way or another and, and when you work with a team understanding the people in that team is is really important
0: and mm. um,
2: to be able to, to, to get to, to get the most out of them really and yes yeah, certainly in school I mean I, I was laughing about it this week one boy who, who has changed mm. unbelievably from year eight to nine where he was this kind mm. of smiley happy little chap to being this surly slightly grumpy teenager yeah. Yeah. overnight
0: Yeah, just
2: incredible change. But you also have that with, with spheres as well, you know, with, with, with career cycles where you have um, members of staff who've had just had children who come and, mm-hmm. and, and the priorities have really changed. Members of staff who might be looking to retire and it's really tapping into what their motivations are that period of time um, and, and 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 that does affect purpose. So, so a great book about this is like Dan Pink's book, it's called Drive and it, he talks about motivation being a combination of mastery, autonomy and purpose. So mm. mastery being the ability to get better at something, autonomy, the freedom to be able to do it and purpose. So I know some of my staff that have just had new additions to the family or just started the family, their purpose has changed. Yeah. So the response to that in our team um, to make sure that we're helping them to do as well as they can at work, but also, have that sense of well-being that we do care about their purpose outside of school as well. Mm. And and footballers are no different. So, so footballers, we had a great chat with Sean Dyche and He said um, when he was younger, his younger managerial days, he, it used to really bother him that some players were playing for money or a new car or a house. <laughs> they weren't just playing for the love of the club. Or, yeah. But now he said he's got over that and he just taps into what it is they want and he works hard to help
1: them get it yeah goes go through the car catalogs with them and stuff that's 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 interesting that's a, sort of like a, a certain level of acceptance about other people's unique characteristics which which i love uh, in terms of t- coaching leading men and women do you see broad differences i know you spoke to shelly kerr who's actually coached in the men's game and, and shelly's a great analyst on sky sports now i've spoken to her a couple of times and it seems like a very sharp mind but it's interesting that Phil Neville in the past and other male coaches who work in the women's game have said that it has to be a lot more collaborative and conversational, whereas you know a lot of male players can't stomach a, a team meeting that goes beyond 10 minutes. Do you see any nuance or differences in, in generalities? Obviously, within that, there's an individual um, differences as well. Yeah, I
2: think it's a really good point. I saw the article Phil Neville was, um, spoke about that and it was fascinating. So when we spoke to Shelley, she said that a lot of her managerial leadership um, experience actually came from her work in a factory where mm-hmm. she led team in a factory. Um, so she didn't really speak about that, the difference between men and women's um, football, um, but she did talk about – some. she was so sharp in terms of her principles and understanding, utilising the experienced people that you've got, treating people with the, um, the way that they needed Mm-hmm. Um, she was incredibly emotionally intelligent like that, like, like the other managers at the top of the game were. Um, I, I I think that it depends on the group that you've got. Yeah. It, it, all the group that you've got. So you couldn't, you know, we couldn't generalise about a group of men and say, yeah, right, go. this is the way you manage this group of men or this group of children or this group of women. So I, I understand, I, I, a really interesting article, and I think you, in any role, you have to really look to understand the group you're in before you start to and understand the hierarchies and understand where they are in terms of career senses, what they've been through before, what their aspirations are, um, so that you can take, take the most effective approach with them.
1: And when you look at your senior leadership figures, you know, they're both in the football examples you gave, and, and you referenced this to, to your staff at, at the school as well, when you're trying to embolden a sort of team around you, you mentioned Roy Keane with Sir Alex Ferguson as that kind of deputy with the players. And I know actually Michael Duff, who's a disciple of Sean Duff is the Cheltenham town manager, currently former Burnley player. it's funny when you're with him, I've been on, only on a, been on with him a handful of, of occasions and Sean dice has run, I think at least twice in that. So it's quite interesting. They've got a close relationship and he um, has a coterie, of, I think four or five <laughs> senior players that, that, that relay messages from the players up to him. And he likes to keep that that going. Do you have to look different types of people in that subset of leaders? You, you could have... A more autocratic sub leader you could have a, a more sensitive leader because often i suppose when we are talking about different types of leadership it's n- not always apparent who the leaders are we typically have that sort of anecdotal thing don't we about the the loudest member of the team or the the, the sort of uh, the person who's, who's who's banging the wall or whatever it might be to, to get the team out But it's not always that person that has the most respect in a, in a dressing room or in a, a school or a business no no um
2: there's, there's a really interesting if you if you type in on google the diffusion of innovators there's a really interesting uh, chart that you can look at which has got different types of people on there and, and the usual like the percentage makeup um, across an organization. so the people that are your, your your tipping points if you like, your captains, the ones who other people will look to for their opinion on something you coming off comes you can have the loudest person um, but they won't represent everybody. so we've got 82, 83 staff here.
0: Hmm. that they won't
2: represent you've got other but you it's not always the people um that you would pick to be the most influential in in your group or your staff but you have to accept that um that that they they do have that influence and work with them to to Hmm. um so that they feel a part of it because they're they're leaders themselves they're influencers in your team um so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. You do have to have different people, with different groups. So, so we would have, um, I would go to newer members of staff and say, you know, what do you think about this? Because they'll have a different opinion maybe than somebody who has been there for a long time. Yeah. In the same way, you would ask my my older students, what do you think about the food in the canteen, as well as the younger students, because <laughs> you need to get that that cross view just so you get a, a flavor of it and. More often than not, I think it's perception with group, with people. So if you if you perceive that the person who is um, leading your team or group or whatever it might be, if you perceive that they care about you and they're trying their best and they're trying to listen to what people say, that can only be a beneficial thing. And they're much more likely when you make a decision that they don't agree with to say, right, well, I don't agree with it, but I understand why you've made it. Mm. And so I'll support it. No, well, again, you you can't guarantee yourself that victory, so to yeah. speak. But you can you can give yourself the best chance of it by having those those powerful
1: relationships. Because at some point, you as a leader have to take the action, don't you? Sort of crystallize the feedback down and then and make one decision, which, as you say, will upset someone in the dressing yeah. room or someone in the school. Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, and and, and Nicky says plenty of times he's got eleven people that love him every week and eleven that hate him, so. Mm. You know,
1: yeah. and that, but that re, the realistic, you, you, you go over this, and I did this in part of my fitness studies that I've done on the side from my broadcasting career as well, the SMART goals, you know, specific, measurable, achievable, uh, realistic and timed. And I think that realistic one's very relevant to football, isn't it? And I suppose there's a, a reality check of the present moment and quickly on the Manchester United thing, because that's a rarity in football in a sense, because usually... It's a manager like Sam Allardyce coming in or a manager coming in to fight a relegation or a, a team that's failed to win a league. But in Sir Alex Ferguson, it's the retirement of arguably the, the greatest manager of all time in Britain. So it's always people are always judging everything in, in that recent context, even though now actually it's, it's eight and a half years ago since he left, which is phenomenal. Um, But it, it, you have to live in the here and now, don't you? That's an almost... Forget past glories, or, or where a school, or where a football club used to be, or where a business used to be. If you're if you're on the slide,
2: yeah, absolutely, and and it goes back to that that position, understanding the position, and and I think that's what what um, United is the example just speaking about them. That what Ollie did when he came in is he understood, and Mick Feeling as well, who's really crucial to that to that to that duo. Um, he understood the club, and the, and the club's not this. Blue chip global brand. It, it, it has that that's part of it. That that's the shell, if you like. But in the middle of it is right at the centre of Carrington is is you've got Kath, the receptionist, who's been there for 51 years. Yeah. she's living, breathing Manchester United, and she is the person who uh, kind of reflects the culture of the place. And they get that. And you listen to Mick Fielding talk about United. <laughs> he, he talks about hardworking and industrial. Yeah, And that wouldn't necessarily jump to mind if you asked fans around the
1: world, what do you think about United? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you think of a lot more glamorous image, isn't it? That's, 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 that's fascinating. Um, what was your biggest takeaway, Phil, from the work with Mickey? And I know that you're ongoing communication with him. What, what has he given you? What do you feel you've given him?
2: I think when we, we spoke about this, the, the biggest thing that we both resonate with is remembering what you're there to do. So in whatever capacity you're in, remember what you're there to do so you might mickey would give this analogy of like walking down the tunnel three nil down half time remember what he's there to do he's not there to emotionally react to the way it's made him feel and he, he would say that he's there to help them perform better in the second half in the same way in a, in a school setting if if there's something that's not gone how you want it to go remembering what you're there to do it's not it's not it's not not reacting to your emotions to the situation; it's reacting to the situation itself. If that makes sense,
1: yeah. Never and too high, never too low is a message that always comes through from from athletes who succeed as well. Yeah, absolutely,
2: absolutely, and 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 that's right. So as well as things going wrong, things going really well. Mm. Um, I I think that's it. And and uh, I've I've heard Mickey say before that he, that he's uh, metaphorically obviously got tattoos behind his eyes. Remember what <laughs> you're here to do. Um. So I I would say the same thing there. I think just having that sometimes giving yourself a minute, calming yourself, thinking about the situation because it's been it's been intense over the over the over recent months and the last couple of years. And sometimes you you you're dealing with a whole like in football, you're dealing with a whole avalanche of emotions at times. Yeah. Got nothing to do with the decision you've made, um, But certainly says more about the people that are saying it rather than the other way around. So I think that that's the key
0: takeaway from me. Yeah, a
1: lot of fear, a lot of frustration over the past couple of years with with COVID nineteen pandemic and everything. Final thought: I, I played a lot of school uh, football sport at school. Phil loved it. I think it germinated a lot for, for me, not only where my career went, but more deeply, I suppose, um, socialisation things like that. How important is is school sport for you as a head teacher? Oh, it's
2: huge. We we, um, we um, rethought our school sport at the moment we, we previously had lots of teams that used to compete and used to do well mm. but then you'd see 15 kids going away and it would be the same five would go to a table tennis tournament but most of the rugby teams the same as the football team the basketball team has got the same kids in so yeah. now we've a really inclusive approach where the other night we had 120 children in our playing field and AstroTurf playing and it was just the best sight to see children mm-hmm. out there playing enjoying sport not really competing but just enjoying it um so it's massive and, and i think it's fantastic to represent your school and, and i love it when we're really passionate about it but yeah. i think it's also just to be involved and in, in, in keeping up that um level of enjoyment of physical exercise and, and at whatever level you're at
1: yeah, and just knowing that if you practice something, you get better regardless of the level you're at, where you can move to, as you say, and, and sometimes kids don't have the opportunity. And it's funny, my favorite memories played at a school team, but my favorite memories were actually playing with a tennis ball in the playground at break time. We'd have a, we had to cut a two pence piece size in it, so it didn't break any windows, but we'd be out there in rain, shine, whatever. And just, yeah, just play for hours and just miss that. It was a great actual way of really refreshing between between lessons, it was, it was fantastic. Um, but appreciate your time, Phil. I know your time is pressing, and you've got to get back to your day job. But it's great to get your insight, and the book's still very much available, isn't it? Wide and far.
2: Yeah, it is. It's fantastic. We've had really good feedback from up, from uh, all over, and um, that's, it's been great. And we, you can uh, it's on Amazon and all uh, other bookstores, and, and it, there's a there's an audio book as well and Kindle book. So yeah. um, that's all all out there for any any any, any format.
1: Well, Phil, really appreciate your time. Good luck with the rest of the day. Thank you.
2: Okay, no, you're welcome. Ed. And just one last thing to, to mention as well is that all the proceeds from the book are going to uh, Len John Roses and uh, Trust, um, and his and an ex-teammate of Mickey and uh, is, uh, is um, living with multineurone disease at the moment. So uh, all, all the proceeds of it go to that really worthy cause too.
1: Brilliant. That is that is great cause. Thank you, Phil. Yep. So the book title, fascinating read. I've read the PDF, but it looks pretty cool as well. The big uh, the front cover of it, Sam Aldyce, David Moyes on there, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, The first 100 days, leadership secrets of the Premier League managers. And that is kind of right on topic for this podcast in terms of what I wanted to achieve and hopefully elucidate are those lessons from sport that we can incorporate into everyday life. Maybe sometimes negative lessons. I know sports people who said it's a very narrow focus, very obsessive lifestyle to be an elite athlete, at least. Um, Yes, yeah, so some real insight into pressurized atmospheres and how you can get people on board, and what the hypothesis is that these guys work to. And it's interesting, isn't it? It's often don't think of it as being such a cerebral pursuit. We often talk about sort of tub thumping managers, motivation, sort of rip roaring speeches. But clearly there is a, a structure and a, an architecture that they go about with and a, an approach which is, I guess, learned on the job in terms of being receptive but also there is a clear game plan so the first 100 days leadership secrets of the premier league managers thank you to phil thank you to you for listening to the podcast thank you to the sponsors bang Olufsen of cheltenham and serene av who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations. If you'd like to get in touch with them, Bang of Cheltenham website, and uh, also remember through Serene AV they can source you other equipment other than Bang to satisfy your your needs, whether it's a big home entertainment system or something smaller scale, whatever fits your vision and budget, they'll be able to accommodate. And we'll uh, talk you through the process and give you some suggestions. So that's uh, Bang of Cheltenham. If you're looking to optimise your immunity as we head towards the tunnel, dark tunnel of winter, whether it's just a uh, vitamin D three, vitamin D three, or something else more holistic in terms of vitamins and minerals um the cytoplan discount code is cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk the code at checkout is draper10r d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters the numerals one zero and the capital letter r thank you for listening to the podcast if you rate it please formally do that on itunes if you can or whatever platform you're listening to as it does impact where the podcast circulates and who might get to hear it in the future and also just tell someone as well you know i think word of mouth is strong and certainly appreciate those referrals and i use referrals myself if someone suggests the podcast in person i'm more likely than than not to to have a listen to it if a good trusted source tells me it's it's worth listening to thank you for being here appreciate it and have a great